Welcome to the High Vibe Podcast, a show created for women who want to elevate their health, mindset, and spirituality. I'm your host, Tori Nishino, corporate girl turned full-time online health and lifestyle entrepreneur. Join me every week for a high vibe conversation that will inspire you to live your best, healthiest, and most high vibe life. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, hello, my beautiful people. I hope you guys are having the most amazing day. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Wanted to jump in for a little chit chat before the podcast, before the interview with Kate Mann. Kate Mann is amazing. Honestly, I felt like I could have kept on talking with her for well over an hour. Um, The time just flew. We're probably going to have a part two with her at some point later on in the show because it was just that good. And there's so much information that I wanted to get from her. She is a weight loss and behavior change expert and an incredible, incredible human and soul. I will link her Instagram in the show notes so you guys can go check her out. But we talk a lot about diet culture. We talk about the keto diet, different diet fads. We also talk about plant-based nutrition, talk about a lot about habit forming changes and how to change your habit and Because at the end of the day, we all know what we really need to do to be healthy, to lose weight, to live our best life. But for some reason, we just can't get there. And a lot of it is because of our habits that we formed over our life. And so she talks about how to change those. And she really dives into detail and gives you so much value. So we're going to jump into the episode. Let's go. Welcome everyone to the High Vibe Podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. I am interviewing a very special guest, Kate Mann, who is a certified weight loss expert, behavior change, fitness and nutrition specialist. She's also a certified personal trainer. She struggled with her weight for nearly her entire life until she found the secret sauce to complete lifestyle transformation to lose 80 pounds and keep off the weight. And I know that's something that a lot of people struggle with is the up and downs of weight. And so she's learned the secret to keep off the 80 pounds as well. And since then, she spent her last five years consolidating all of her wisdom, experience, and knowledge into a successful online course, which she will definitely talk about today. And she's helping women all across the world go plant-based, lose weight, and transform their lifestyle the same way she did. Some kind, some call her the mindset master and routine queen. I like to also call her the pancake queen because she has an amazing book of pancakes. You guys are going to want to get your hands on it. I will definitely link her pancake book in the show notes because trust me, if you go on her Instagram, she's making pancakes every day and they look delicious. So Kate believes true health begins with proper nutrition, lifestyle habits, and mind-body balance. Those are the keys to weight management, confidence, and overall happiness, and I could not agree more. So Kate, would you please do us a huge favor and share your journey, your weight loss journey, all of that stuff, and really how you got to where you are today and what you're helping women with? Yeah, of course. Well, first of all, thank you so much for that amazing intro. I am so excited to be here with you today to talk about all the things. And funny, you just mentioned the pancakes. I actually just finished a plate before we jumped on. They seriously look delicious. Like every time my mouth waters, every time I see your pancakes. (laughs) They are so good. I'll definitely let you know. You can get your hands on those at the end. But yeah, let's let's talk about uh, my story and and how I was able to lose and keep off eighty pounds because I think and what you mentioned on in the beginning is so important that it was a matter of finding the secret sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to talk to y'all or to you today just about you know what that was for me and how I'm helping other women do the same. So um, my story, gosh. Well, first of all, just so you'll know, I just turned 34. So, oh my gosh, you look like you're 25. <laughs> Bless you. But I bring that up because I was overweight for the majority of my life. Um, I was definitely an emotional eater. Um, I suffered with a lot of anxiety, most of which started in childhood. Um, and I know that eating made me feel better. And you know, I can think and recall of so many instances where I didn't really know what was going on at that time, but I remember as a child, like planning and thinking like, I'm going to go get some food, sneak off hot and eat it because that's going to make me feel good. And yes, again, at that age, you know, being a little kid, I didn't really realize what was taking root, but I mm-hmm. knew that I had a fix and I knew yeah. that um, it was different from my friends. Like mm-hmm. I was a little more into it than 
than the average kid was when it came to snacking and, and eating and having this obsession with it. Um, so this is how I learned how to associate food with comfort, relief, and reward. And definitely I was self-soothing with the food. And mm -hmm. these associations drove my eating behaviors all the way into my early and mid-20s. Um, and at the peak of my worst, you know, I was obese. I was pre-diabetic. Um, I was anxious, super depressed. I was abusing substances like Adderall for energy. Oh, me and too. Then, yeah, <laughs> good old Adderall, right? Good, the Adderall so, was the only thing that, was, like, that I felt like could get me through because my diet was shit. Yeah, right. it was awful. It was like, okay, so I need a high to pick me up in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then I needed, you know, the, the alcohol, the, the binge drinking that we do in college at night. And yeah, then, to help you go to sleep. Yeah, and then all the other things in between, the occasional yeah. cigarette and, yeah. and everything else. And it's just, man, it's it's crazy. Oh my where, gosh, yeah, where story of my life. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, and, and generally it was just, you know, I was spiraling out of control. And, mm -hmm. you know, I know for a lot of people they hear, well, you know, in college, that's kind of the norm and, you know, everyone likes to party and that's kind of your ex experimentation years mm -hmm. and all of that. But, mm -hmm. you know, for me, it, it definitely went a little bit deeper. Um, my friends at the time would probably say that I was the life of the party, uh, that I was super funny and always sound to have fun and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, Tori, inside I was absolutely miserable. Um, I just wanted to fit in. Like I said, I had been overweight my entire life. I remember just even in grade school being like, gosh, like, why am I so much bigger than my friends? Why, are, mm -hmm. why do my legs look different? Why, why, do, why can't I run the mile as quickly as my friends? Like, why mm -hmm. can't these little things that I think we as kids, we internalize but never really think about? Yeah. And that definitely came out in college when I started getting a little more confidence and getting a little more, you know having more social confidence and, you know, making new friends and everything. But again, it was just, you know, I wanted to fit in and I was, I was betraying myself. I was living out of alignment with ultimately how I wanted to feel. And what's so sad is that, you know, you go back and look at pictures and it looks like I'm having so much fun. Right. Yeah. Um, but no one knew how awful I felt. No one knew about the late night binging. No one knew that I just had this overall feeling of just being disgusted with myself when I looked mm -hmm. in the mirror. No one saw all of those tears. It was mm -hmm. really me using the food, the alcohol, and the the jokes and everything to cover that up. And um, the truth is I'd let myself completely go. Yeah. Uh, it, it was really hard. So I had a few breaking points where you know, at that point where I wanted to change physically, but I didn't realize that the mental change had to happen first. Yes. And that right there is the big problem with diet culture. Mm -hmm. um, the focus is on short-term results. So this was me for so long. I wanted the quickest path um, with the least amount of resistance. Like I wanted to lose. Don't, don't we all? Yeah. Isn't <laughs> that the dream? Yeah. I definitely wanted to lose weight. I wanted mm -hmm. to be healthy, but mm -hmm. I, I didn't know what that meant. I mean, yeah. to be complete, let's, let's just be honest. What I wanted was to look like the fit and toned women that I saw plastered all over social media. Right. Yeah. I was like, yeah. just give me that. Right. Yeah. But I had, here's the thing though. I mean, I had zero self-accountability and mm -hmm. self-discipline skills at the time. If I had woken up the next day and had magically lost 80 pounds, I would have never known how to maintain it. You know, yeah. I, I knew I wanted to be healthy and confident, but I was stuck. You know, I would have intermittent success. I would lose 10 pounds, gain 15 back. And I mm -hmm. cycled back and forth between restricting calories all day. And then, you know, that would always almost end up with me overindulging or binging at night or during the weekends. And after a while, I absolutely crashed and burned on trying to follow diets. I had zero body confidence. I fully believed I had no self-control. And honestly, Tori, I just thought I was destined to be the bigger girl. I just thought, wow, you know what? Yeah. I might as well just embrace this. This is as good as it's going to get for me. Like there's no point in me trying. And I just felt absolutely defeated. But I tell you my turning point um, one day it really hit me. I was getting dressed in front of the mirror and I just tried to go work out with a trainer and I came home. I mean, I had thrown up. I just, I mean, I couldn't run from here to, I couldn't run 50 yards without wanting to die. And wow. I got out of the shower and I just, 
I was tired, right? My body was mm-hmm. like a shock from trying to do, it was like a fight or fight workout kind of yeah. deal. And I just remember like looking, I just kind of dropped all resistance and looked at myself in the mirror and just like beheld what I was seeing. And I broke down crying. I looked at all of the body fat that I'd accumulated, all the inflammation. And honestly, what I saw more than anything was all of that, excuse me, but effing pain that I had been dragging for years. And it finally had caught up to me. And I wanted so badly to be on the other side. I wanted so badly to be that woman that I knew I could be. I could see it, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't get there. I just felt like I was on the other side of this glass, this glass prison. And I remember that day something clicked and I realized that I had to start thinking, speaking and acting like the woman I wanted to become if I wanted to start feeling and looking like her. Mm-hmm. It wasn't going to happen the other way around. Yeah. So my new plan was to stop focusing on short-term results and start focusing on long-term sustainability. Every decision from now on would be, am I doing this for two weeks or am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. And so that helped me kind of divide diet culture off into like quick fix tactics versus, all right, what? how do you want to feel? What are long-term, you know, long-term sustainable habits that you can create? Like just and, a full lifestyle change. And absolutely. question, just to interrupt you really quickly, oh, did, was there something that you listened to or you heard or you read that really transformed this thinking? Or was it just that in that moment of decision of after having so many fails with diets that you were like, I need to do this for the long term, you know, and stop fo- focusing on the short term. Girl, I'm very I, curious. I, I, you know, I read a lot of, a lot of stories and testimonies and all that, but girl, it was straight up Jesus. Jesus, <laughs> 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 take the wheel. That was yeah. God. I mean, I just, it just came to me that moment in the mirror. And I just, mm-hmm. this voice just came from within and was literally like, Kate, I'm going to get you there, but you've got to start implementing. You've Mm got to start walking by faith, not by sight, not Mm -hmm. by what you're seeing in the mirror. You've got to let that go. You've got to accept that where you are now was completely self-inflicted. Yes. Your decisions and it's your same behaviors and same decisions that are ultimately going to get you out of this position, but Mm -hmm. you have to rewire those decisions and those habits. And you know, that's when I literally discovered, and I, I didn't know, like fast forward now, you know, five, six years later that I would be talking about this. But at that point, that's when I discovered one of the most key pieces to my practice, which is the missing link in weight loss is habit forming techniques and behavior change. You know, it's eating right, yes. moving your body, not hard. Sorry, we not know, hard. we know yeah. what we need to do. We all know what we need, we need to, to do. do. Yeah. I mean, if I had a quarter for every client that I've worked with, when we get on a discovery call or I go through an application, if I had a literally Tori, I could show you files after files after files of applications. There is not one client that hasn't come to me that has said something along the lines of, I know what to do. I just can't follow through. Mm-hmm. We, you need to eat healthier. You need to move your body. Like you need to take it like, like we all know what we need to do, but for some reason we can't do it. And that's definitely something I want to talk about today as well. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. But continue on with your story. So you, you realized that you had to make these long-term changes and yeah. that it was your lifestyle. It was just a lifestyle transformation. And the secret sauce was the behavior change and, you know, ha- habit transformation essentially. And so yeah. what habits did you start really focusing on and how did you start instilling new habits? Yeah. So again, you know, eating right, moving is not moving. Your body's not hard. Mm-hmm. Um, what's hard is creating, you know, a mindset that prioritizes self-care and healthy choices, even when we don't feel like it. Right. Yes. <laughs> so the good news and bad news about habits, the bad news is we cannot fully extinguish bad habits, but with specific behavioral changes, we can replace unwanted habits with productive ones. So straight up, most of the time, we aren't going to feel like putting in extra effort. I mean, we Mm -hmm. are physiologically designed to take the path of least resistance. That's how we survive. That's how we conserve energy. But our bodies Mm -hmm. do not understand that we are in 2020. Yeah. They're like scavenging around looking for our next meal, right? Mm -hmm. So things like going to the gym, things like, you know, 
you know, preparing a meal, things like, you know, getting up an hour earlier because you need to get your stuff done. Like those things physiologically feel hard because it takes a little more effort. Mm-hmm. And when we're little kids, we have parents to make us do the stuff yeah. we don't feel like doing. We have someone to get us out of bed, drag us out of bed, make us yeah. put our clothes on, make us go to school, make us eat our veggies, make us do all mm-hmm. the things. But the problem is as adults, that role becomes our responsibility. Yeah. And that's something that I struggled with, you know, all the way up until I started making those changes for myself, just because I had, like I talked about, I had zero self-discipline and accountability. So what we have to do is we have to program our brains to operate the way we want them to through consistent habit forming techniques. And that's exactly what allowed me to lose and keep off those 80 pounds and why I'm able to wake up every day and choose myself. Mm-hmm. And some of those things, and we'll get, you know, we'll get into that as, as we dive a little bit, you know, more into LRD and kind of like the course that I've created, but essentially what, you know, Tori, the way I look at it is we are all our own vehicle to change, right? Yes. And like every vehicle we need, well, most vehicles, we need four wheels. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what I like to think of is, you know, we've got the four wheels are the mindset, your routine your nutrition, and your movement. And here's the thing. You can't get very far on three wheels. If you've got a flat, if you got it's one. It's a rough flat, ride. Yeah. You <laughs> that you are consistently balancing and rotating and giving that maintenance to all four of those wheels if you want to keep moving. Mm-hmm. When I wanted to change, I was ready to jump in and drive. But I didn't have the key to turn on the ignition. Mm-hmm. And I, I hadn't balanced or rotated my tires in so long, I, I, I wasn't going to get very far. Yeah. And so that's exactly what I like to focus on um, as a behavior change specialist and weight loss expert with my clients, just to help them understand that, first of all, I want to celebrate any woman who's out there saying, like, I'm trying, I'm doing all of the right things. I just can't seem to get anywhere. Girl, you want to do the right thing. You mm-hmm. are probably to your best knowledge doing the right things. It's just that there are not a lot of programs out there yet. There's not a lot of literature and diet culture that's talking about behavior change because no one knows how to freaking implement it or teach it unless mm-hmm. you're a certified specialist, obviously. Mm-hmm. I literally had to get certified <laughs> in my own zone of genius to help myself. And I'm mm-hmm. so glad that I did because I probably would have spent another five years banging my head against the wall, thinking that nothing worked for me. I mean, how many times I know as you, you know, the health coach, how many times have you heard your clients say to you in some degree, like nothing works for me or I've tried everything. Oh, I've tried everything. Oh my gosh. I hear that all the time, but really it's like you try a couple things over the same things over and over again, or you never stick with anything long enough because you can't get yourself to do it. And a lot of the times my clients, it's not as much like I've tried everything. It's like they can't get themselves to make the changes. So they know what they need to do, but they're struggling with making that change. They're struggling with finding the motivation to eat healthy and work out. And I have a real, like I have a lot of beef with motivation uh, because I think, you know, I just, I think motivation is very fleeting. You know, and I think habits is something that you need to focus on and like that discipline and doing things that you know are good for you in the long term when you don't feel like it. And eventually when you do it long enough, it starts to become a habit. It starts to become autopilot. When you force yourself to do it long enough, your brain goes, okay, this is a pattern. I'm going to rewire it. This is going to be something that we're not going to think about. Like for me working out, I don't have to think about it. I just know I'm going to be working out pretty much, you know, five days a week at least. I I just know it's a part of who I am. It's a part of my identity. Was that the case three, four years ago? No, it took a long time of training my mind and training my brain. Like, Hey, every time you wake up, you're going to get ready. You're going to, you know, do your little morning routine and then you're going to work out, you know, but it wasn't easy like that. And so I kind of really want to dive into this idea of, and this topic of habits and forming habits. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can use your four wheels as, as examples, but for someone who's really struggling with their habits and they know that they need to make these habit changes, what would be your biggest tips for someone who has been struggling and maybe they're aware enough where they know, like, it's all me, you know, I I'm taking ownership of the actions that have got me here and the habits that have got me here. 
but I just can't seem to make that change. What would you, what would be your biggest advice to give this woman, you know, um, to at least start or become, you know, start making those small changes? Yeah. That's a great question. Um, well, first of all, going back to what you said, I love how you're like, now it's just not even an option. Like it's just, I get up and I work out and mm-hmm. or I bet you without you even being cognizant of it, you have several rewards that you, ha- well, let me backtrack. Mm-hmm. Let's break down first the anatomy of a habit because I okay. think it's really important to understand. Let's do it. So this is really just a matter of us becoming smarter than ourselves and programming our brain. Our, our we can basically program our brain the same way we program our computer or our Google mm-hmm. Drive, right? Yeah. We, can, we can put in what we want, but we have to take that time to do it. So mm-hmm. the anatomy of a habit essentially is that you have the cue or the trigger, like a visual cue, or there's some sort of like a sensory cue, whatever the habit is. Mm-hmm. Then there's the actual action or the behavior, which is like, you know, that you carry out. And then there's a reward. So believe it or not, the way that our brain processes a habit is basically through getting that, again, getting that cue, attaching a certain behavior or ritual to that cue that gives us a reward. And sometimes the rewards are formed consciously and sometimes the rewards are formed subconsciously. Okay. So Mm -hmm. for you, for example, you know, some of the, a subconscious reward that you may have already associated with getting up is you the way that you feel after your workout, right? Yes, so absolutely. You may, there you go. So mm-hmm. before the workout and out, girl, I watch you on your thing. You were always on it. Like you'll be yeah. like, I'm tired. I don't want to do this. But then you have your go-go juice and yeah. like you're ready to work it out. And then I, you always come on your story and talk about it afterwards. You're like, y'all, it was 20 minutes or it was 30 minutes. Mm. I felt like, you know, going into it, but now I just, you never feel like crap after working out. It's just not a thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's you get subconsciously, you know, that you're going to get that energy, that clarity, Mm -hmm. that focus, and those feel good endorphins Mm -hmm. on a conscious level. Maybe you have a special, uh, workout smoothie or a meal that you love to have after your workout, or maybe you go get in the sauna, or maybe you go take a shower. Mm -hmm. Those are sensory rewards, conscious rewards that you have that you're aware of, that you're excited for. Like, I'm going to be straight up. Like when I go run in the morning, I am like, oh, this plate of pancakes, when I get done with this run is going to be so banging. Yeah. (laughs) But but, but you see, that's a a positive reinforcement. Like that's Mm -hmm. a good way to reinforce food as a reward because Mm -hmm. it's, first of all, it's going to be a healthy plate of food afterward, but it's healthy fuel a workout. And it's giving me something to look forward to. And I know that it's done for the day all of my time is mine and I'm able mm-hmm. to relax and I'm going to have all of those feel good endorphins, clarity things that we mentioned before. So just, so just breaking that down real quickly, the anatomy of a habit, I can show you how, you know, and we can pick, we, you know, you can pick like a bad habit or something that maybe you or some of your clients struggled with before and we can talk about it. But mm-hmm. essentially what I would tell the woman who's listening right now, who is struggling to break a habit, whether it's hitting snooze in the morning. That was my worst habit. Out, I was just thinking that the snooze button. Oh oh, my gosh. The worst. Let's break that one down. Yeah. Let's break that one down. So before we break that down, what I would say to that woman though, is just, first of all, listen to this breakdown we're about to do, but Mm -hmm. literally take a pen and pencil and write down the habit and write down what those cues might be. And then write down what the ritual is and write down what you think the reward might be. Because again, we cannot extinguish fully a bad habit, but what we can do is we can replace the reward. We can replace an unwanted habit with a good one by using the same cue and this in a the same reward, but a different behavior. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for in, for instance, hitting snooze this is one of my favorite ones to bust. So yeah. first of all, I would ask if you're having trouble hitting snooze, are you getting enough sleep? I mean, let's just put that. Yeah, that's just, that's a very, you know, very legitimate question. (laughs) But yeah. But let's just assuming that you're getting, you know, a good seven to nine hours of sleep and you just have, you know, trouble getting up. So you hear the alarm and that's the cue, right? Is the Mm -hmm. alarm. And so as soon as you, so as soon as you hear the alarm, you're automatically going, Oh, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired. Like, My bed's so warm. Yeah, it's dark can, out still. Yeah, I can hit <laughs> snooze. I can hit snooze because your brain has learned. We're like little monkeys. Immediately, yeah. as soon as I hit that button, 
I'm going to get to roll over and get a, like eight to 10 more minutes of Z's, which by the way, scientifically is the worst sleep. It's not even real sleep and it actually messes up your brain cognition for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. So I would rather you get up and just lay on the floor and groan than go back to sleep for six minutes. And it makes you feel so much groggier just the rest of the day when you do it. It messes up the whole circadian rhythm because you have certain hormones that are released when you're waking up and when mm-hmm. you basically like drive them up and then shoot them back down again, your, your body's just confused all day. But anyway, I digress. Okay. So, <laughs> so the reward that's internalized from hitting snooze is immediate relief, rest, mm-hmm. stress relief, whatever you the want. Warm, to call it. Bed, yeah. Yeah, the warm, cozy bed. Yeah. The warm, cozy bed. There's so many there at play. And if you're mm-hmm. listening to this right now, make sure if you struggle with this or something similar, you know, make sure you're writing down what those cues and those rewards are so you can start being very cognizant of your environment and your trigger mm-hmm. cues. And your so habits. the cue would be the alarm and then the rewards would be like the, com- of hitting the snooze button. The like that's the, ac- yep. is the action. So then the rewards are, you get to stay in your bed, the immediate comfort, the delaying the day. I think sometimes people don't even look forward to their day you know, and what they have to do. So it's just kind of like putting this, putting off the stress for that immediate comfort. So the, if you're, if you have a pen and paper out, write these things down. Cause I know that there is a lot of people that are going to be listening to this that struggle with this. Oh, so yeah. I definitely want to break this down. And even a reward could be more energy because you think that, Oh, if I get 10 more minutes of sleep, I'll have more energy. Cause I feel exhausted. Mm-hmm, right now. Mm-hmm. Not so okay. let's just look at, Hmm. We'll look at the cue. We can't, we can't switch. You got to have an alarm to get up, right? So, yeah. you know. You can get a more pleasant alarm. Yeah. <laughs> like I have the sun lamp that really helps a lot. You, you actually beat me to it. I was going to say what we do is go ahead and switch your alarm to something different because mm-hmm. we want to get that sound. We want to stimulate your brain with a new sound, not the mm-hmm. one that promotes that same behavior, right? The worst sound ever. <laughs> get a different alarm, maybe even a recording of your own voice saying, Hey baby girl, this is it. This is mm-hmm. the first day of the rest of your life. We're changing it today. Don't you dare hit snooze. You know, you could do, you could get really creative, have clients leave themselves voice memos, d- different music, their favorite song whatever it is that gets you pumped up if it's gangster mm-hmm. hip-hop and r&b first thing in the morning crank yeah. that up. yeah I mean, it just might be hard if you have a partner that doesn't wake up at the same time as you <laughs> true. This is true. my poor husband knows that i'm like the biggest morning person in the world so he's gotten used to it i know yeah. so let's rewire this habit okay. so new alarm snooze we're gonna do something else but let's first of all think about the reward too so the reward is we want to feel energized right mm-hmm. We want to feel excited and we want to feel recharged when we wake mm-hmm. up. Okay. So what, so a couple of habits that I like to do, um, that you could do to replace this is first of all, as soon as the alarm goes off, instead of hitting snooze, I love to have my clients put some peppermint or lemon essential oil. You could even do like eucalyptus, mm-hmm. put an essential oil next to your alarm clock on the bed, or I would even put the alarm clock, people, if you've probably heard of this, put mm-hmm. your alarm across the room. So you actually have to get up out of bed to turn it off. Mm-hmm. Keep some essential oils next to the alarm and waft them. Because once you waft, especially peppermint oil, it is going to invigorate and wake you up. That's immediately also going to give you clarity that it's been proven that, you know, students who wear peppermint oil when they're taking tests perform better. Even when you wear it on your temples on the way to the gym, you have better clarity. So take in an essential oil, or if you're trying to start meditating in the morning, you could immediately put on some meditation music. Mm -hmm. You don't have to get up and like all of a sudden go from zero to 60. But you yeah. can start, even if you, and I've told my clients, get out of the bed, throw your, make your bed or throw your sheets back over. So you're signifying to yourself like, Hey, I'm getting up and I'm moving, mm-hmm. you know, and then have your robe laid out. You want to be comfort and cozy. That's fine. You can be comfortable and cozy without staying in your bed and going back to sleep yeah. put on your slippers, put on your robe, put on your essential oils, leave the room, go slowly wake up. Mm-hmm. Now I know half of the people listening to this right now. That sounds like something that you could actually do. Now, here's the thing. It's up to you to implement it. Yeah. So that's not to say that as soon as the alarm goes off, that those, that those feelings and those temptations are not going to be there. 
But if you have cues laid out for you, if you have that oil laid out, your robe hanging up on the door, if you leave yourself, I call it a cue station. Mm -hmm. If you give yourself a little cue station of reminders of what you're going to do instead, it's going to get easier. And I, I, two weeks is the sweet spot. 12 to 14 days is the sweet spot. If you can hang in there and do it after those 14 days, you're free. It gets you easier. Are, you're gonna, because when you wake up, believe it or not, you're, the feel good of putting on that essential oil and putting on your robe is going to become one of those subconscious and conscious rewards. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when you work out, you know, you're going to feel good, but you know, you might get a really good post-workout meal yeah. or smoothie, or maybe you get a massage, whatever you associate. Mm-hmm. That's the key word, whatever you associate, associate with yeah. the end of that good habit is going to what's your, your brain. It's been, this is crazy, Tori, but I've, I've studied all sorts of, of science when it comes to behavior change and habit forming. And what's so cool about the brain is that after two weeks, they did a study of, of the reward system in the brain. And when the cue was triggered, and I can't, I can't honestly, I can't recall what um, sort of experiment it was, like what the actual habit mm-hmm. was. But the point was, is that the brain started showing anticipatory activity for that reward before the habit was even finished. So as soon as the cue was going off in these, in these, um, in these patients or whatever you want to call them, these, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Can't test subjects or whatever. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Test subjects. They were showing that as soon as they were shown the cue and they were thinking about carrying out, like, let's just say the healthy habit, like the workout Mm -hmm. or getting up that their brain started firing off those like anticipation. Yes. So the brain- It's kind of like the anticipation of going on vacation or something, right? Like- And that that explains the phenomenon of why you don't even, when you said, literally, I don't even think about it, Kate, I just get up and work out now. It's just part of what I do. Mm -hmm. Because that autopilot, you conditioned, you were diligent and consistent enough to create the habit to where your brain is now anticipating that reward without you even having to make the effort. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is what I'm sure, and everybody listening, that's what you want. Mm-hmm. That's what you need. That's what you have to get to. And so what I'm saying is, yes, you're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to fight through the resistance, but it takes so, so much less time than what a lot of people think. Mm-hmm. And once you get there, I mean, how sweet is it that I'm telling you, Tori, even on my worst days, it's like not, it doesn't even cross my mind that I wouldn't carry out my non-negotiable self-care priorities. Yeah. And because it's your identity, it's now, it's just not even, you don't even have to think about it anymore. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. Like that's where you want to get to. Right. And, um, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Robin Sharma. I just read his book, the 5am club. And he talks about how in habit and when you're changing a habit, it's always hard in the beginning right? It's all, it's always hard in the beginning, messy in the middle, right? There's going to be, you know, maybe days that you fall off or whatever. It's going to be a messy middle, but it's always beautiful in the end. And I think if you're committed to the end result, you're, you realize that it's just a process that you have to go through. Like you have to be committed to that journey of change and transformation and know that there's going to be some tough days, but eventually it's, you're going to get to that beautiful end if you stick with it. And I think a lot of people quit either in the very beginning when it's just too hard, like the first couple of days or they, and they just, I'm going to start on Monday. I'm going to start on Monday. Oh my gosh. That's the worst line ever. Uh, I'm like, I'm going to start on, on February 1st or March 1st or whatever, like the beginning of the month or when it gets messy in the middle they just tell themselves, maybe this isn't for me, you know, and they start, you start to go back to those old limiting beliefs and you don't believe that you have what it takes to change. And your mind just goes, maybe, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe you're just always going to be the way you were. Um, and I, I feel like I could talk a whole pot. I, we've almost talked a whole podcast episode just on habits alone. Cause I, I think honestly, when you really get down to the mindset, the mental beliefs, the habits, like the weight loss, the fitness, all of that just follows, right? It really, it's all a mental journey, but I do want to talk a little bit about nutrition and your expertise with plant-based nutrition, also diet culture. Um, because I see so many fad diets that are cutting out food groups, like the keto diet, the carnivore diet, like all these diets that 
do work for people. They get immediate weight loss, right? They do. But to me, it's not sustainable. Like if you can't do something for the rest of your life, you know, as far as when it comes to food and stuff, I don't know if you should be doing it, you know, like, and I think so many people are chasing the instant gratification, the instant results. So I want to get your opinion on this whole diet culture phenomenon that's been going on forever. Um, and just kind of your philosophy between a diet and a lifestyle change. Oh, wow. And why lifestyle change is better. Yeah, this might have to be like podcast part two. I know we might have to go into, we might have to do a a part two, you guys. Uh, um, Where do you want me to, was there something like specific you wanted me to start with? Let's talk, I see a lot of people doing the keto diet. Okay. So let's just talk about your expertise because I know you're um, you're an expert. You're a certified you know nutrition special, specialist. Um, you really advocate a whole foods plant based diet. And I I really for anyone that is on this episode that is considering the keto diet or maybe they've gotten results for the keto diet, I want to hear your your expert opinion on on the keto diet and why what you advocate is just a better path for long-term health and sustainability. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm just going to be responsible and say that I'm not a doctor mm-hmm. and I'm not a registered dietitian. And before you start any sort of nutritional protocol or consider any sort of nutritional advice, you should absolutely consult your physician if you are unsure. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, my biggest beef, no pun intended, <laughs> with the keto diet is not necessarily the principle of eating predominantly fat as much as it is where you're getting those fat sources. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I'm an advocate of a whole food plant-based diet because I did do all of the diets under the sun, including mm-hmm. the keto and I had the rapid weight loss with the keto. I mean, I used to do, I don't even like to talk about this, but I did bikini competitions for a little stint there. And uh-huh. I'm very well acquainted with the low carb lifestyle and it freaking sucks. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I just wanna talk for anyone who is brand new, I don't like to assume that everybody knows what keto is and everything. Mm-hmm. Keto is essentially prompting your body to go into a state of ketosis by you know, reducing your carbohydrate intake. Um, where it has been shown to be somewhat effective is treating patients with severe um, autoimmune disorders, usually ones that they're genetically born with, not mm-hmm. inflicted autoimmune diseases. That's a whole different day. I'm about to go into that. Yeah, we but, might have to do another podcast episode yeah, on that. <laughs> but, you know, especially children with or children and adults with um, seizures who are like epileptic. Isn't it um, crazy? That's where the keto diet started. Yeah. And here's the thing about it. It's these patients, these studies are patients, again, that were under the supervision of a doctor, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that most women that are looking at going on a, you know, doing keto or doing ketosis are doing it, first of all, not under the supervision of a doctor. They're doing it because they saw their favorite Instagrammer or YouTuber doing it. And they're like, oh, I'm going to do that too. Or yeah, <laughs> a magazine. And then they want to start. I mean, that was me. I'm only yeah. calling it out because this was me. And yeah. I, mean, I work yeah. with hundreds of women. So and like, I think that's the average yeah. person that wants to do it. Yeah. yeah. And, and here's the thing. And the thing about that is that they're doing it because they're going, Ooh, this is an easy way where I, if I have to pick between fat or carbs, I can pick that. I can still eat eggs, bacon, which that sounds so healthy. I can eat peanut butter, bacon, and butter for breakfast every yeah. morning. Yeah. <laughs> can we just stop for a minute I and know. just say that out loud and look at that? And please tell me, like, besides what you've seen in a magazine, what part of your common sense actually thinks that that's a smart thing? I'm going to stop there. But <laughs> I'm just going to stop there. Yeah. But what I'm saying is what I, I see most people wanting to go into a, a ketosis diet or do the keto thing because they think that it's going to just, it's going to give them an easy way out, essentially mm-hmm. an easy way to drop a bunch of weight, which yeah. by the way is mainly water weight. Mm-hmm. And you're going to gain it right back, if not more, when you start, because you're, when going you, to, you're going to completely F up your insulin sensitivity. It's going to make you insulin resistant. Um, and then not to mention that if you're following um, a standard keto diet, 
keyword standard. I'm going to go into plant-based keto in just a minute, mm -hmm. but the fat sources from animal products are extremely high in cholesterol, which we do not need, by the way. No. We make our own. We like, make our own cholesterol. Yeah, we make our own yeah. cholesterol. Some people who eat whole food plant-based diets like myself can even flag for high cholesterol just because genetically your, your liver makes a lot of it. It's yeah. just the way it is. But I digress. What I wanted to get to is the, the point is, is that the ketosis diet should only be considered for extreme medical situations under the supervision of a doctor. And it's meant to be short term. It is mm -hmm. not meant to be a long term thing. We are predominantly carbohydrate consuming species that is shown through tons of studies in literature and science. I'm not even going to start referencing. We yeah. need to go and look that up on your own, but we are made to consume carbohydrates. That's how we function, especially females. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is being in ketosis is extremely stressful to the body. It is extremely acidic to the body. You go into so acidosis. Acidic. Okay. It is so acidic. It is awful for you. It is stressful for the body you will actually start losing and excreting calcium more so through your urine. You lose, I mean, it start and actually the protein from the animal protein actually diffuses calcium out of women's bones. And the problem with Americans is that we see, oh, this little, this little tidbit of information worked. So a little bit of this is good. So a lot of this must be really good, right? We just go to extremes with so we everything. Just go to extremes, and I'm thinking, you know, what is your, I would ask, I would ask the random woman off the street who is just doing keto because her friend's doing it and she wants to do it. Why are you doing it? What makes you think that you're going to be able to say sustain that long-term? And are you really happy? Sure. It cuts your hunger off for a while. It gives you good energy. It's kind of like Dr. Clapper actually had a really good analogy of this. He talks about it as like the passing gear. You know, when you're on the highway and you're going fast and you see a car and you want to get around it real quick and you rev the gas and you're like, and you mm -hmm. get around it. And then you kind of, you know, you, you pass the vehicle and then you just kind of keep driving and you kind of go back to your normal speed. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's kind of like what ketosis does for the body. Yeah. Okay. And actually the most medicinal part of being in ketosis is actually when you come back out, it's like rebooting, rebooting the computer. Mm -hmm. okay. Okay. it's going to wake up your body's like what's going on what what's going on like why yeah. are we not getting our carbs so when you bring the carbs back in it's like this resurrection happens in your body and it like reboots the system uh -huh. but you know we're talking maybe five to seven days maybe up to two weeks with supervision yeah but that's not what's going on here mm -hmm. and so we're seeing lots of people do this keto thing they wear it out they see quick results and then they feel like they are chained and balled to it the rest of their life because the minute that they go off of it, they don't know how to reverse diet. They don't know how to, to slowly introduce, they don't know how to slowly introduce anything because yeah. everything screams, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden you just see them rebound and they gain all of this weight back and then they just swear off carbs. They're like, I can't eat carbs. Carbs, carbs, like carbs. are evil. Carbs yeah. are like, car like I, this, this culture and phenomenon around carbs being horrible. It, I mean- that's yeah, that's a whole nother topic because our body needs carbs. Our brain needs carbs to function. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Our carbs need carbs. But yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but then, yeah. But then would they swear off carbs and blame carbs as the reason why they're gaining weight? Absolutely. Now I will say this plant-based keto is different. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's not, there, there's a lot of new studies being done right now with people eating higher amounts of fat for the same medical reasons, but in a plant-based version. Now mm -hmm. when you're eating a plant-based keto diet. You're naturally going to have more fiber and carbs with those sources, right? Unless you're just mm -hmm. doing straight up oil, which is usually mm -hmm. not. Yeah. Not recommended. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that you can't enjoy some oils. It's just that as a whole, I think we overdo it in the sodium a lot with mm -hmm. the American diet, but what I'm saying is plant-based keto is new. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not really going to take a position on that yet because mm -hmm. I'm still studying the literature myself. And the way I like to look at it is we don't have to have this black and white way of thinking. Some days you may naturally eat, like I eat a whole food plant-based diet. Some mm -hmm. days my carb intake is just not very high. Mm -hmm. Like I just don't, I naturally choose more foods with higher protein or fat and mm -hmm. then vice versa. So what I'm getting at is if you're going when you're eating whole food plant-based, if you're wanting to eat more fats in your diet, that's fine. I think, you know, you can eat a 70, 15, 15, or a 65, 15, 20, or a 60, 20, mm -hmm. 20, 
macro whatever split mm-hmm. that you want, or a 30 40 30 and a whole food plant-based version and you're fine okay mm-hmm. i'm not going to sit here and say that i'm camped out here and this is my only opinion now mm-hmm. for me i just like the way i feel eating a predominantly carbohydrate diet i yeah. just function better with low fat high carbs and moderate protein i'm mm-hmm. also an athlete and an endurance athlete at that mm-hmm. so obviously like i need that that just helps me feel good but um, yeah, that's my thing on the keto is in a nutshell is that it should only be done, you know, with the supervision of a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it's in, and with that, it's only for short term. It's not healthy long term. Um, it's extremely stressful and acidic to the body, even when you're in ketosis, even though you might feel the euphoria, that's your body's way of helping you survive. Mm-hmm. Back in the paleo day or whatever the, I only say paleo because that's a whole different movement. Yeah, that is. A, <laughs> there's, like there's so days. many. Yeah, back in those days, we didn't, it was a survival mechanism. We didn't know we might not eat for a week. Yeah. Right? So just because our body is can adapt to something doesn't mean that we're meant to do that all the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, fat sources, especially from animal proteins, are chopped high of cholesterol. Um, all that fat, it actually, it blurs the blood. It messes up insulin resistance and sensitivity. You're just setting yourself up for a, a nightmare. I know. And I see so many people that are, that are my age or in their twenties and thirties that have high blood pressure. They have high cholesterol. They're having to take heart medication and you're 20 and 30. And I'm yeah. just like, and they're, and they're freaking out when you sprinkle a little bit of sea salt on your like vegetables because they're like, I can't have salt. I'm like, it's not the salt, sea salt on the vegetables. It's all the sodium in the meat that you're eating and, Mm -hmm. and the meat and the cholesterol and all that stuff. And oh man, that's like a whole nother topic. I feel like we're going to definitely have to do a part two um, because there's so many topics that I wanted to talk about that we didn't even have time to get into. Um, So as yeah, we're we're just gonna have to do part two. I'm sorry, Kate. I, I thank you for your time, but I know that I know that the audience on here got so much value, and they're like, "Wait, I'm not ready for this podcast to be over." Because I'm definitely not. That's how I'm feeling. I'm like, I'm not ready for this to be over. But yeah, so we're we're just gonna have to do part two and stay tuned. Um, but I wanted to ask about your LRD program, um, who it's for, you know, and how people can find you. Awesome. Yeah. I'm so excited about LRD 2.0. So if you've been following me on Instagram, which by the way, my handle is lose weight with Kate. We'll link everything um, in the show notes. Yeah. We'll link yeah. everything in the show notes. So you'll be able to look it up, but I offer two services. One is my one-on-one coaching. That's, that's, that's very hands-on. Um, you can apply for that individually, mm-hmm. but LRD 2.0 is the revamped version of my formal group coaching program. So my team and I just recently worked to take LRD Academy and scale it into an online evergreen self-paced course with group support inside of an exclusive Facebook community. And what I love about this course is it's got, you know, obviously it's evergreen. So you have, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you have access to the materials forever, but you also have access to the community and the mentorship calls with me once a week for the lifetime of the program. So that Mm -hmm. means that students who come in and take the course, um, once they finish the course, usually it's going to, it's about over 12 weeks is how the materials dripped out. Mm -hmm. After they finish the course, they can still stay, hang out in the community and they can jump on the calls once a week just to have that accountability. For Q and A's and stuff like that too. Yeah, all of that. And so Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm obsessed with that because we wanted to, we wanted to scale it so we could reach more women, but we Mm. also wanted to make it, um, we wanted to make it so it was like more of a family. Yeah. And so, you know, once you take the course, I think women feel really empowered. And then when they get out there on their own, they're like, well, can I do this on my own? And mm-hmm. so I'm like, well, let's just take care of that. Once you're in, you're in for life, you know, take the course, you know, if, if you're not active in the group for a while, that's fine. You can always come back and find us and pick back up where you leave off. And so mm-hmm. we are so freaking excited to be able to offer that. Um, and basically the women that I serve are just maxed out women that have gone through basically the same things that I just talked about. You know, all the diets that didn't work and you tried everything. You're tired of being sick and tired. You're in a body you don't recognize. You're tired of just breaking promises to yourself, hearing yourself say, I know I need to do this. I should be doing this. I'm going to start over on Monday, but you know that you're not able to get to the finish line. You know, not every girl that, that comes to me is looking to actually lose weight. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's time management, it's setting boundaries, it's, mm-hmm. it's mindfulness and meditation and scripting and, and learning how to sit in tension and learning how to do the, the work, the self-reflection, the things that we all know we should be doing, mm-hmm. but we're not doing it. And here's the thing, like with an online course, with any coach, with any mentorship, half of the results come from learning the material, but the mm-hmm. other half comes from you implementing it. Yeah. So, oh, yes. <laughs> so it's not, it's not to say that like, you know, there's a million courses out there. There's a million programs, but the reason that I believe mine is so successful. And the reason I've had the success rate that I've had is because again, I am combining the behavior change science with the plant-based nutrition. Mm-hmm. And then I'm creating a space for women to set themselves up to do a full lifestyle audit to look at all four of those wheels, right? The mm-hmm. mindset, nutrition, the movement, and the routine, and to really take an aerial snapshot view of what they're doing, to get really honest about the habits and the behaviors that are keeping them stuck, and then to give them actual actionary steps that they can take to start implementing these changes into creating the new habits. And, and I love that it's 12 weeks too, and it's dripped out slowly because I know that these, these behaviors and these new you know, behavioral implementations are going to sit, are going to stick, set mm-hmm. and take place. And they're going to become sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I've had, I've had women lose up to, you know, 34 plus pounds yeah. um, in, in less than 12 weeks, just by implementing these things, um, these behavioral, uh, behavioral changes and the, um, the trainings and the templates and the, I mean, I've got word for word scripts, tutorials, video trainings, everything within the course. But I think honestly, what makes it so successful is the daily progress tracker. Um, I, my, my girls, my students are coaching themselves. They have an accountability tracker and they have to check off, check off, you know, each box mm-hmm. every single day. There's 10 things that are part of the LRD lifestyle that you have to check off every single day. And it's funny, it's so true though, and my students will tell you too, that as long as you're checking off that tracker every day, there's no way you're not going to be successful. Yeah. It's, it's just the taking of the action. I think that's the most important part, right? Like knowledge is a power, applied knowledge is power, you know? And so I love that you're combining, not just giving information, but saying these are the tangible things that you need to actually do every single day to get results. And if you do it, you're going to get results. And I absolutely love that. And we are going to have to sadly wrap up this call. I am so sad. Um, We're going to have to do a part two because there's like so many things that I wanted to talk to you about that we just didn't get to. Um, And if everyone fell in love with Kate as much as I love Kate, I will link all of her information in the show notes. So you can go find her on social media. You can look at her website. You can see if LRD is right for you. LRD 2.0 is right for you. And if it's something that you want to do, um, she is an amazing human. Go follow her on Instagram. I will link everything in the show notes. Kate, thank you so much for being on this podcast and adding so much incredible value. And I'm excited for everyone to get just more of you because you've been such an inspiration to follow. I think I've been following you for I don't know, like nearly my entire coaching journey, I've, I started following you in the beginning and you, all, you just add so much free value that it, it's just incredible. So thank you for putting out there in the world, following your mission to transform women's lives. And I am so grateful to have you on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It really means a lot to be here. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have to get together again soon, talk about some more stuff. And you owe me a shuffle lesson. Yes, we'll have to do that. All right. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of the High Vibe community. If you loved this episode, I would be so grateful if you could leave a review or take a screenshot and share it with a friend so more women can find this podcast. For more on me, visit tourinishino.com or find me on social media just by searching my name. Until next time, friends, live your high vibe life.